Hi, it's Derek Wu again, here with another episode of the Stanford Anesthesia Tutorial Podcast, Anesthesia Stat. And I'm delighted today to be joined by some of our Stanford faculty here. We have one of our uh, faculty who works here at Stanford, Dr. Brett Athens. And we have uh, another one of our faculty who works at the VA, Dr. Jody Ling. And they're both uh, members and key faculty uh, who are in charge of the PRIME program, which is one of the things that are unique to the Stanford uh, anesthesia program as a whole. It's a whole program that's concentrated on the wellness of the department, the faculty, the staff, and especially the residents. So welcome to the podcast. Um, if you'd just like to introduce yourselves here. Thank you for having us. Yes, um, thank you. So I'm, I'm Brett. I am one of the Stanford faculty. I joined after I graduated from uh, residency at Stanford in 2021. So I've been here just over a year. Um, so I participated in the Prime program both as a resident and then became one of the uh, faculty facilitators uh, last year. And I, uh, you know, it's been one of the my favorite things about about Stanford and being a resident here. And uh, I, I just really enjoyed how it uh, lets me get to know the residents better. So it's been a great experience. I'm happy to be here to chat about it. I am Jody Lang. I am one of the clinical faculty at the VA in Palo Alto. I have uh, I did my residency at Stanford and my regional fellowship at Stanford, and uh, I started as a wellness facilitator in 2015. So it's been seven years, um, and now I'm the co-director of the program, the Prime Wellness Program, and um, you know I'm excited to be here. Thanks for talking about this. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time out of what I'm sure are busy schedules to come here and uh, sit with me and kind of discuss the Prime program. So I think the first question that people who are listening to the podcast, and specifically some of our CA1s who are now entering their, I think their second full month um, after tutorial. Um, so what is what exactly is the Prime program? Uh, how does And how does the Prime program... Um, Kind of how do they get started, and what are some of the things that the Prime program does to promote wellness around our department? Yeah, um, so the Prime program started, I always tell classes, the Prime program started the year after my class, and I always like to say it was probably, I probably had something to do with it. <laughs> like, like they saw me or other members of my class, and they were like, oh my goodness. Um, that wasn't really the case, but you know. Uh, so I, I never got to be a part, I never got to be a recipient, I guess, of the Prime program, um, but I saw it uh, happening with my colleagues in the, in the class below me. So that was in 2010 that it started, and there were two uh, anesthesia faculty at the time, uh, Dr. Tara Cornaby and Dr. Emily Ratner, and they were just very forward-thinking attendings who not noticed that there was a need for, like, you know, more community, more camaraderie amongst uh, anesthesiologists, amongst residents in this very siloed profession. And they went to Dr. Pearl, the department chair at the time, who was incredibly supportive. He was always incredibly supportive, and we continue to have incredible support of this program. And um, so that's when it started. Um, yeah, it's been, you know, a lot of program. there's a lot of wellness programs out there these days, but this is pr probably one of the earliest that I've heard of. It started 12 years ago. And the whole idea um, and kind of the experience uh, that I had as a resident, so I, I went through this, you know, program three, four years ago, 
um, initially is, like you were saying, to get the sense of community and introduce you to your classmates, for one. Um, you know, it, anesthesia is kind of a, a solitary specialty. So, you know, especially when you're new and you're learning and you're off in your own OR doing your thing and just kind of wondering, like, how am I doing? How is everyone else doing? And what kind of experiences are they having? Uh, it just initially, I think, is a really nice space to share your experiences. And it can be very validating just to know that a lot of the struggles and challenges that you're going through are normal and also, you know, things that your, um, your classmates experience. So I found that it was a really nice place to just kind of share and, and swap stories and experiences. Um, and it also introduces you to, you know, the handful of prime facilitator faculty who are specific to each residency class. So the prime faculty that start out with you at the beginning of CA one year are the same ones that follow you through CA two and CA three years. So they're some of the people that you get to know best in the department and just having that, that kind of relationship is really nice as well. Um, but in terms of you know what Prime is or what Prime does, uh, it typically starts out um, in the beginning of the year with our wellness retreat, which we had recently this past August for the, the new CA ones. Um, and that's taken different forms over the years, and especially with COVID, it's kind of a, a, a changing thing. Um, but it's really nice to get that FaceTime early on, I think, to introduce you to your classmates and to the Prime program and kind of set that up. Um, and then we continue on. There are sessions throughout the year, um, throughout CA 1, 2, and 3 year, and they take the place of some of the lectures that we have um, in the evenings for the residents. So in terms of what we talk about and what we cover, a lot of it is informal, um, you know, check-ins and, and chats and getting to share your experiences. And then some of it is kind of more formal um, lectures that are given by some guest lecturers or different people in the department and, and the topics are, are pretty wide ranging. Mm -hmm. When it first started, it was very mindfulness and meditation focused, which is amazing. Um, because that was really my first real introduction to like meditation or mindfulness at all. Um, but we've, uh, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback from classes over the years and changed it as we go. And so we do still try to focus on mindfulness and meditation as a core piece of what we're doing, but it's not, um, but we've added a lot more. Yeah. I mean, speaking from the resident perspective, um, I can speak firsthand. There, there's obviously a lot of challenges just being a resident in itself and especially the unique challenges that I feel like we've been faced with doing residency and coming into our training and learning how we're gonna be future physicians in our career in a time of COVID, that I think having this wellness program, having designated faculty as well as sessions to talk about these challenges has been incredibly valuable. And to be honest, when I came to Stanford, I wasn't really um, sure. I, I didn't really know many of these opportunities that Prime provided, and I'm so thankful that this program has been in place as kind of an infrastructure to help connect with other people, to help communicate with other people, to make it feel like residency is not such a solitary and lonely experience, just like uh, Brett mentioned earlier. So I guess the next question that I want to ask is, because we have such a robust wellness program here at Stanford, how do you feel like that kind of differentiates these types of things from uh, maybe other places or workplaces or programs who 
are either don't have as much in terms of wellness uh, programs or um, are just kind of getting their start? Um, I mean, we're really lucky to have the support that we have. I've, you know, spoken about wellness at different meetings around the country with different program directors and academic departments. And um, it, it's hard to, um, it's hard to say, hey, here's what we have, you should replicate it because like the first thing you need is leadership support. <laughs> yes. Really when you wanna do any program ever in academia, right? You need leadership support. And if you don't have that support, then that's, then that's where you need to start. And so Stanford, uh, so after this program was developed, other programs have been developed and you know, there's like terms like wellness and burnout, right? That have become sort of part of the vernacular in medicine. And then at some point in the Stanford School of Medicine, they developed the uh, WellMD Center, and we actually have a chief wellness officer at Stanford, which is also really unique. And so the medical school in particular has put a huge focus um, and a lot of support behind having a well-being initiative. Um, they even, the Stanford WellMD program uh, teaches a leadership in well-being um, course. So like someone who wanted to start something like this, you know, at some other program could actually sign up for a course like that and learn different techniques about how to, like, you would actually are supplied with like a lot of, um, a lot of evidence-based uh, research around well-being and how that benefits a department or benefits a program. And so that could be a place to start, like if somebody wanted to get a program started at another institution where it's not really the culture of that institution to do something like this. And I'll be taking that course in the fall. So oh my gosh, good I'm, transition. I'm very excited. <laughs> it's really good. I took it last year, I think. and. Um, it's great. I mean, you can always learn something, even from other people within your other departments in the hospital, right? This is a big place, so yeah. it's a great course. Yeah. I'm very excited, and it is nice to, I mean, I think in medicine in general, like this movement towards evidence-based things, it's nice to know that the wellness work that we're doing has some evidence, and, um, you know, there there are a lot of, a lot of things out there, um, and... Uh, it's it's just great to have you know the support of the department to take this course and um, and to learn what else I can implement here and in my own day-to-day -day life and, and practice like you're saying I think a lot of it tends to be mindfulness or meditation which um, you know may or may not work for certain people but just to know there are so many more things out there um, so it's not like a one-size-fits-all and if you don't like meditating there are still things you're gonna find that that really work for you and are helpful in this program and in here yeah we always say that um, the tech we're trying to teach as many you know tools as many techniques as we can so that and like it would be great if you don't need any of this while you're a resident right yeah, <laughs> I mean, like yeah. that would be great and and some folks don't but um, like I have a colleague who trained a couple of years ahead of me. So I'll long, you know, I finished residency in 2013. He's out in private practice and had like a tough, um, you know, just a tough experience uh, as part of his practice and has been reflecting on how he wished that he had some kind of well-being training to fall back on, you know, back in the day when he was in training. And that was, he trained here, but that was before this program started. So what we hope is that we're planting a seed and that we're sort of like laying some groundwork um, so that when somebody needs some assistance or some kind of technique to use, then they rem remember something about it. It's not the first time you're searching for something when you're in the middle of like a crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so valuable to have some of these techniques and methods 
that we learn about in some of these prime sessions to be able to use in uh, times where we're not particularly feeling too well or times where we're very acutely stressed. It's nice to, I, I think one uh, thing that has always resonated with me in some of these sessions is the concept of mindfulness, just kind of, kind of taking a step back and examining things and being mindful of the situation and uh, just being aware of it, um, of my emotions in the moment. So, like, let's say, for example, I'm, I'm a resident in the program, which I am. Yeah. But let's say... <laughs> hypothetically, I'm, you're yeah, a resident. Yeah, hypothetically, mm -hmm. but not so hypothetically. I'm a resident. <laughs> and uh, I'm not feeling too well. Like, I, let's say, and this is not so hypothetically that I, I came off a week of nights, which was quite busy. And now I, I feel like, um, in terms of my emotional well-being, I'm not really all the way there. What are some steps that I could take? in terms of people that I could talk to, resources that the Prime program provides, or other things that could help um, with me in that situation? Uh, Derek, I'm so glad you asked. Yes. <laughs> so this is, uh, so as we try to drill this into all of our residents, but like what we try to do as early as possible, starting C one year, but like repeatedly through three years, is we try to direct you towards where to find all the well-being resources at Stanford. Sure. Um, I mean, there's faculty who are here to guide you and, and be supportive, but if you just want to like go straight for these resources, you need to know that they exist and where to find them. So for our department, you can go to the ether.stanford.edu website, and there's a, there's a button at the top left that says Get Help, and we added that last year to make things as easy as possible. And in the Get Help section, there's something called a crisis management plan that we're trying to do, at, you know, we're trying to incorporate into at least one session in CA one year. And the idea of the crisis management plan is that ideally, uh, it's possible to do this after a week of nights, but you're tired. <laughs> um, but I, you know, let's say before you do that week of nights or before you run into some kind of obstacle, which you almost everybody will, you have written down some like signs, like what are signs to you that you're not feeling well. Like you probably have tells to yourself that sure. like, you're, yeah. you know, you're like, I get extra grouchy if I'm just the tiniest bit hungry, for example, and I haven't slept in a week, right? Yes. Or that's, uh, that's me, but uh, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, so, so one thing is to kind of reflect a little bit on your own, um, on your own personality and your own like, you know, character traits and so that you can like remind yourself like these are the things that are like little red flags, little signals to me that I'm not doing great. Mm -hmm. um, and then and then the rest of the it's just like a one page worksheet and you can fill out like basically who are your people like write it down. Who are the people that you call when you are struggling with something, you know, because mm -hmm. maybe when you're really struggling, you forget you're like, oh, yeah, I call my sister. When I'm mad at someone and I want someone else to be like, oh, that person's the worst, you know? Yeah, and like, yeah. I, this reminds me, like, I should call her in this situation. And then finally, at the bottom of the sheet, it gives resources to WellConnect, which is a 24-7 mental health uh, uh, access right here at Stanford, and some other really important mental health resources that you could go to if needed. But um, so I would say after your week of nights, <laughs> yes. not to, not to be Please. like real personal on this podcast, yeah. but like what is it that's telling you? I mean, besides being just plain tired, like is there stuff that's telling you like I am not this I'm not my best self this week? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what you said really connects. It's just that um, without the normal amount of energy that I usually have, especially switching back to days it's hard to find energy to really participate in the things that I find are valuable in my own life. Mm 
-hmm. And I think it is nice to take a step back and identify people that I usually reach out to um, as support people or key people in my life and just be able to kind of verbalize to them how I'm feeling instead of, you know, I do have a tendency uh, also not to get too personal on this podcast, but to kind of just shift things to the side and kind of ignore it. But it is, you know, healthy to take a step back and especially in times like this where I'm just really the only emotion that, that you feel is exhaustion to identify key people in your life. And I have a lot of people in my life that I feel um, are very supportive. I mean, they range from my own family to my co-residents to certain faculty. So it's nice to kind of take a step back and realize that there are many people who are out there who can listen. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm glad that you have the, this amazing <laughs> support network. Um, I think that's very, I mean, that's very common too. And I, I mean, I can't count how many times during residency it's like, okay, just put your head down and power through. Like you're just waiting to get to the end of that yes. day or week or rotation or whatever it is. Um, that becomes very tiring over time. Um, or at least it, it did for me. Um, so yeah, having the awareness to, to know when those, when those times are, when you're feeling a little bit run down and like you don't have the energy to, to seek out those things that you normally do um, is really good awareness to have. And I think that's one of the, the first things I learned about wellness is just like the self-reflection and awareness to have, you know, like how has this week or month been for me? Um, and particularly dur during COVID when we had such long periods where you were kind of disconnected from a lot of your colleagues and your friends and normal social supports, um, you know, being isolated is, is also, you know, something that's, that's really hard to, to overcome. And again, it, it relies on you kind of seeking out those people and those resources. Um, so knowing kind of who and, and what those are ahead of time is, is really nice. Um, but like you're saying, I, you know, when I find myself overwhelmed and, and busy or exhausted, I'm probably not going home and like engaging in some of those more <laughs> meaningful, thi meaningful things, you know? I'm like yes. going home, watching the Great British Baking Show on Netflix <laughs> and like, you know, going to bed. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think it's it's good that like you you already have that awareness and and hopefully like Prime kind of brings that to, to people as well. Yeah, and I, I think with the ability to be introspective, then that means you can, um, you know, like for example, for me, like 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 running or like d difficult exercise for me is like my that's what that's what helps me clear my mind. And sometimes these things are not possible, you know, or sometimes I'm really tired or I don't have time, but like. Uh, you know, could you could you go for a, could you go for a walk around the block and that would give you like twenty percent of that that feeling that could be better than nothing and that could be something you have time for, but if all you're thinking and this is the kind of like cycle that I went through as a resident is I don't have time for a thirty minute run so I'm not going to go for a run and this day is terrible, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can like play you know you can like try to if you have these things sort of if you really thought about it, you've written these things down even then you can think like I like you know, try to make it, you know, we try to cook at home or whatever, but like this week of nights, we are going to door dash our way through this, right? Mm -hmm. Or whatever, um, you know, so, so little changes to like bring yourself back to a more reasonable baseline, I think are possible when you are like spending the time to be in introspective, if you know, if you can. And that is one of the goals of this program. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
One thing I find really exciting about the Prime program is that it's always changing and always looking for new ideas. Um, I do know that there's always things in motion in terms of Prime projects uh, or initiatives uh, that do get funding from the program um, to go ahead and, and get started. So I'd like to know a little bit more about how the department uh, supports Prime and how some of these new Prime initiatives get started. Uh, I can tell you how the Gas Lounge got started. Yes, please. Um, this is like, uh, I mean, it's a bit of a non sequitur, but my mom was a high school teacher, and she used to say when I was in high school, that, and it meant nothing to me at the time, that like high school traditions have a four-year half-life, meaning like you can start something one year and four years later, people think it's always been that way. Yes. And I, I feel that way about anesthesia residency yeah. because like people think the gas lounge has always been there, but it hasn't. The gas lounge was started by the chiefs when I was a C3. Uh, so my classmates just decided that we really needed a place to hang out. Yeah. And uh, that office, that gas lounge space was a hoteling office. And Dr. Pearl, I don't know what kind of plan proposal they put together, but they got approval from Dr. Pearl to take over that hoteling office and turn it into a resident space. And they moved a bunch of their like old furniture, like JJ's <laughs> old couch was like in the gas lounge for yeah. a couple years. And that's what, around the time that the prime scholarship project started and people were like, this gas lounge furniture is gross. And I was like, of course it is. It's like the chief resident's old couch. Yeah. And then we got, and then the department started kicking in some funding. Like, well, why don't you guys replace the furniture? <laughs> um, and put a resident in charge of that. And then you really feel like you have ownership over this project. Yeah. So that was kind of, that was where, that's where the gas lounge started. And that's become, I mean, the, so the resident recognition office that, you know, people submit kind of above and beyond or, or things people have done or kind of, you know, meaningful things. Uh, and we recognize, you know, a few residents every month. Um, that's part of, you know, the, that's one of the prime funded projects that, um, you know, those posters go up in the gas lounge so that you can kind of like peruse and read them. I like absolutely love how many years of old posters there are and how many old faces you can see uh, in those recognition posters. So that has also been really cool. Yeah, I have to say, for those of you who don't know, the gas lounge is um, an anesthesia, uh, it's like a lounge specific for anesthesia residents. And it's one of the most valuable things I think that I have access to as a resident for my entire time here. It's a nice safe space. There's a door code on it, super secure. Not very secure at all. <laughs> it's, it's one, two, three, four. It's okay if I say No here. attendings allowed. <laughs> but yeah, no attendings are allowed, only residents. And it's, it's a nice place that oftentimes has free snacks and cool lighting, cool decoration, where us as, as f fellow and co-residents can kind of sit down, talk about how our day is going, talk about those big wins that we had. Maybe we placed a tough IV or a tough line or uh, executed a very difficult anesthetic plan. Or some of the fails that we had where we took like four tries to try and intubate a patient and our, our attending did it without even looking. Um, and it's just like a nice place to shoot some hot goss, honestly. So it's, it's really a treasure and it's really nice that we do have this prime program here um, that allows a lot of these things to become possible. And in honesty, anybody can come up with a good idea, submit it as a prime wellness project and you know, with a reasonable idea, get funding from the department. Right. And to circle back, those get, you know, submitted every year at the start of the year, and, and we fund as many of them as we can. And, um, yeah, there's some really great opportunities to get a, a good 
a good amount of funding for any idea that you have that's wellness related. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I wanted to do here is something is one of the things that Prime provides that's really provided a lot of um, like change for the better, I guess, in my own wellness. And those are the check-in sessions that we talked about. Um, again, for those of you who don't know, the check-in sessions are sessions that can happen during our protected lecture times where us as a specific residency class, so either the CA1s, the CA2s, and CA3s sit down with specific prime faculty who have been the prime check-in session mentors for the entirety of our residency. So um, for, for example, for my um, check-ins, I've, I've had the same faculty that have followed me since CA1. So I was thinking maybe we could do kind of like a sample check-in session here because that's been so beneficial to me over my time here as a resident. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. So our rule, so we do have a rule, we have ground rules that we introduce sort of at the beginning of residency and it seems to be like easily and well understood by people. And we're breaking the rules here a little bit because one of our first rule is that we keep things confidential. So it's just among the three of us, you guys. Uh, no one else is listening. No one will ever hear this. Okay, okay good. good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's that. And for that reason, we tend to not, uh, vi we often video conference our uh, didactic lectures to various like hospital sites or on Zoom, but we try, we try not to video conference our prime sessions because we don't want something accidentally, my, my nightmare is like something's accidentally running on the conference, in the conference room with the VA or something and people are just walking by listening to like really personal information. Uh, we've obviously had to bend this rule quite a bit during COVID where we had to move to like entire, you know, sessions that were done entirely by Zoom. Uh, we had our first session with the CA1s yesterday and we were, we were in oh, person wow. again, so that was exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a, so confidentiality, we tend to not video conference, but with, of course, with COVID-related exceptions. Um, and we try to practice something called mindful listening, which means that like, while it is our day job and often night slash weekend job to solve people's problems, what we want to do in these sessions is um, not to like play off one of one another conversationally, but rather to like really mindfully listen in the moment to what this person is saying and experiencing. Our job as facilitators sometimes sometimes is to then like you know kind of um, uh, speak up and like address some some issues that that naturally arise. Um, am I missing any? No, it can be anything. I, I really like that it just kind of follows the natural mood of like how people are, are feeling. Yeah. And there are, there are always things that resonate with a lot of people during check-ins. Um, and just to, just to like see people like bonding over those experiences is really nice. Yeah. Um, you know, and it depends what time of year it is and what time, you know, what, what's going on. Like, you know, sometimes it's a tough time of year and and everyone's having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And it's at least good to know that you, you know, you're, you're not alone in feeling that way and, and that's normal. Um, but, uh, but a lot of really wonderful and funny stories shared as well. Yeah. The one more rule is the I pass rule, meaning like you don't, you're, no one is under any pressure to like speak up a, at all. You're more than welcome to just be there and listen. Yeah. And that's, mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. So with that being said, does anyone feel like checking in? 
good long pause. There's usually that long of a pause every time, <laughs> at least in our I'll, classes. Uh, check in. I'll sessions. check in. I'll I'll go first. Um, I kind of like doing some like highs and lows of when I'm checking in. Um, I would say it's it's been a really great summer and, and a great few months. Um, today I am post call from a very busy call overnight, so I'm a little tired. Was a little painful, but we got through it, and um, it's always just nice to know. You know, there's there's more team anesthesia that happens on call and overnight, and I find that really satisfying to just you know work together as a team and, and get what needs to be done done. Um, but otherwise, um, I was in New York City last weekend with my husband. We took a little weekend trip. Um, we're both big tennis fans, so we went to the U.S. Open and saw some really great matches. Um, and we've had some good travel this summer. We went on a family trip in, in August and saw all my family, so it was really nice. I find like travel and, and visiting friends and family is like one of the most fulfilling things. And when I have, when I have little trips and things to look forward to and, and be planning, um, it makes me really happy. So. It's been nice to just get back in the groove of doing that and seeing people. So I feel lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you see Serena? We didn't see Serena. <laughs> so we had tickets on it's Sunday. It's still the US Open, this I know. We saw, we saw some great matches. We saw the Medvedev match on oh, Sunday. That was, a, that was an exciting match. one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really fun. Awesome. Um, I'll go. I'll go. I, I feel like I have more high than low to share right now. Um, awesome. Yeah. My kids started school again a couple weeks ago. They're in sixth and seventh grade, so we're like knee deep in middle school, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, like a, so much sass, so much sass. Um, but it's fun, but it could turn on a dime, you know? Um, so... But actually, yeah, it's been like my it's been an easy transition back to school, which is really nice. And um, like this is super random, but I decided to take. Do you guys know what sculling is? No. Yeah, like it? the rowing. It's rowing. Thing. It's like oh. when you row in a boat, but like you're by yourself and you have two oars. Oh, okay. So sculling. for the so for the first time ever, I tried it this summer at this like family camp up near Tahoe, and um, I just like didn't know what I was doing, but I like got hooked. Uh -huh. And I decided to start looking for classes around here because like I grew up in Illinois, landlocked, and like <laughs> we live by the water here, you know? There is like water so access all year round. So yeah, I found a place in Redwood City. It's like a 20 minute drive and they have a class, Learn to Skull. And so this morning was my last, I graduated from Learn to Skull this morning. Wow. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah, my shoulders feel weird. But um, but yeah, it's uh, so that's like really exciting. It's been a while, it's been a while since I learned a new skill, um, like that that's like that new to me, and so that it's actually been like really fun and satisfying. Where's gonna be the first place that you skull after uh, achieving your certification? Oh my gosh, <laughs> probably just back in the bay, like uh, nice. in this channel, this waterway where the this um bay, it's like the a rowing club, and they're yeah. they're like around the corner from the Stanford Rowing Club, which is where the like the Stanford teams row. And so it's part of the course is to learn how to stay out of their way, which is fine. That is like a good, Survival. that is a good goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you row like almost out to the bay and then back. The bay's a bit choppy for someone like me. Yeah. But, um, 
but yeah, probably near there. And then uh, Fallen Leaf Lake, we go there every year. It's up near Lake Tahoe, so I can like bring my new skills up there next year. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. We we are all originally from the Midwest. I know Brett's from. I'm from uh, Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah. You mentioned you're from Indi- or Illinois, and yeah. I'm from Indiana. So, yes. yeah, being surrounded by all these mountains and all this water is, like, such a treasure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I forget. I mean, I can't believe I have forgotten, but it's, like, pretty cool to live where we live. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'm the last one to check in here. Uh, I kind of already gave a little preview of how my last week went. I was on a week of nights, which is like a potential 24-hour call on Sunday, and then 6 p.m. to 7 a.m. Monday through Friday. Um, And technically, I think we're supposed to take a week of one call every year, so this could be my last one call ever, maybe, unless uh, I'm assigned to do it again uh, later this year if they need me. So... This time around, it was just as busy as I remember, but um, you know, I think on the high side, it, it was a little bit different from the past uh, being a CA3. I think in the past, it was kind of like, keep up, just follow instructions, like keep the patient alive, like let's just do this thing. And I think this time around, it was while it was still stressful, it was a little less stressful kind of knowing when I heard about the patient like things that I needed to do and having some ideas of my own and being able to execute some plans of my own which I thought was really rewarding I mean I was still extremely tired at the end of the week I think um, just switching as I get older switching back to nights from days gets a little harder and I can definitely feel that as as time goes on but I think this time it was it was a little different but but in a good way and it was nice to kind of feel like I at least knew more of what was going on rather than being an early early CA1 and getting thrown into that situation and kind of just trying to keep up and survive. Yeah. That's awesome that you notice the like the difference over time and mm-hmm. that it can be the same, it can still be a week of nights but it's like a CA3 week of nights. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. good to look back and just like realize how much you've grown. I think like day to day it doesn't really feel like that much changes and then when you circle back to the MSD or some rotations that you did you know as a CA1 and you're coming back as a CA3 it feels totally different yeah that's a, absolutely it's a nice feeling to, to know how much you've, you've grown yeah that was I mean that that's one of the things that I like about again like the sample check-in that we did which turned into a very real check-in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's total, the point totally confidential of course um the Oftentimes, I think the challenge in residency is just feeling that you're, you're learning so much all the time um, and kind of being put into a system where you're expected to just jump into new situations and look like you know what you're doing. And I, I mean, I think you can kind of extrapolate that into all of medical education, starting from when you're first learning to being thrown onto clinical rotations where you have to present things and pretend like you're an expert even though you have no idea like how things are supposed to be and sometimes I feel like in those situations there can be a loss of agency where you feel like you have at least for myself there there have definitely been times in residency um, where I feel like I have no control over my own life and I don't feel like I have very much control over what's going on and I know that can be a significant contributor to being unwell And, and so I think that having these check-in sessions and having the Prime faculty and having everything that Prime provides us is such a good resource and a source and such a good tool to be able to feel like, you know what, I actually do have 
power over things in my life. It's, it's easy to get overwhelmed and feel that I don't, but it's nice to, again, take a step back, really think through things with other people, talk things out, and then find out, you know what, I actually do have a lot of control over my life, and it makes things so much better, honestly, having a, such a robust program like this available to us as residents. It's yeah. very hard. It's very hard to be vulnerable in medicine and in residency. I think you know, like you're saying, you always you want to appear like you have it under control and you know you you know what you're doing. And uh, but the reality is, like all of us feel scared at times and like feel the the stress in these situations. So I think having the example of you know prime faculty who are vulnerable, who share their own experiences. We've all kind of had those those struggles. Um, so to have people who can be vulnerable and share those experiences and and set that that precedent was really nice for me, at least when when I was a resident. Yeah. I think I mean there's definitely you know information papers out there that discuss that like lack of predictability in one schedule can like lead you down that road towards burnout. I mean, it's not, this is not rocket science, but it's like, you know, but when you say it, you're like, yep, that sounds right. Um, Lack of predictability. And then, um, uh, you know, basically as the number of hours worked per week starts to tick upward, that can also be correlated with burnout. And so in Prime, we often spend a lot of time talking about personal resilience, but personal resilience doesn't mean that we, I often always say this to the residents too, it doesn't mean that we meditate through systemic issues, right? Um, but, but, but like we learn ways, we learn all the things that are within our control and how to address the things that are within our control. So like even if a call system isn't maybe the way that I would set up a call system, this is the way it is right now. And while I can try to contribute to fixing that problem in the meantime, say I have to take this call. Uh, I know that's gonna contribute to a, a you know high number of hours I'm working this week, and I know that it's gonna be unpredictable um, and therefore extra challenging, and so what can I do? Can I go for a run before I start that call? Yeah. You know, can I make sure that like we have, I mean for me like food and happiness are very tightly correlated. Mm-hmm. Can I make sure I have like the food I need at home so that when I come home from that call I can eat what I want and then go to sleep? Um, you know, there are other things we can do to be introspective and mindful of what's happening around us so that at least we can control certain factors. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we near the end of our time here today, I just wanted to thank you both so much, Dr. Lang, Dr. Athens, for, again, spending your Wednesday evening at around almost, we're almost hitting 7 p.m. here uh, talking to me. And I think there are going to be a lot of, um, at least, new CA1s and a lot of other residents in the program who are going to be delighted to hear this information and furthermore some of our other listeners from other places who are interested to hear about the resources that we have here. But before we go, is there anything else that you wanted to plug or talk about concerning this unique program that we have here at Stanford? Do you, so one, one thing that I mentioned was the WellConnect. Uh, I think one of our most important and valuable resources is the WellConnect uh, line, which you can find on the Ether Get Help link. And that's that 24-7 access to psychiatric help right here at Stanford. Uh, but in addition to that, there's a we have a hospital-wide peer support program. And then within our anesthesia department, we just started a peer support program mm-hmm. that Brett's been a part of. So maybe you can talk yeah, about Yeah, definitely. Um, so the PRN support, I think, is the hospital-wide program mm-hmm. that you're referring to. And, and that's available to anyone. And if you have any kind of, you know, 
circumstance related to work or you know personal things um, you can have someone to, to talk to who has a similar background but is not necessarily someone in your department um, so that's a great resource and then um, the peer support program that we started within the anesthesia department is new within the past year uh, and the goal of that program is to connect anyone in the department, so that's trainees, faculty, um, anyone who experiences any kind of critical event, um, so that might be something serious like an intra-op code or an intra-op death, um, or really you know, any event that is significant you know, to you that you experience at work. Uh, this program will connect you with someone who will reach out to you just to serve as an emotional support person, a contact person for you to discuss, you know, whatever you'd like to discuss about about the, the thing that happened. Um, it's not meant to be a debrief, um, like, you know, a, a QI review of what happened and the events. Um, it's purely a support for you just to know that there are people in the department who have experienced similar things. We all go through them, uh, but it can be really helpful um, to have someone to actually talk to and just debrief and reflect a little bit on how those things have affected you. Um, there's sometimes a, you know, just a tendency to kind of push it aside, leave it in the back of your mind for later when, you know, you have time to deal with it and kind of go about your day and, and get right back to work. But this is meant to just have a resource that you can reflect and, and have some kind of emotional support. Um, so that's available to everyone, and, and, and yeah, we're really happy that we've been able to, to get that going this year. That's awesome. It, so the PRN support group is legally protected, and, there, and notes aren't taken. Is the anesthesia peer support Correct. the it same? Is, it's also protected, yes. So that yeah. any, anything you discuss is, is confidential. It's not discoverable legally, yeah. and, uh, and that's all protected. And no notes are taken, so like there's no nothing to discover. Taken. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. Well, it's incredible hearing about all the things that Prime does for our program and uh, speaking truly as a resident, this is, I think, one of the most attractive things about being here for residency at Stanford is that I feel like we're looked at as humans here, even though there's so many challenges with residency itself, with, I mean, systemic-wide issues that we've talked about a little bit. Um, but again, thank you so much for joining me um, and talking more about Prime. Um, it, it's such a valuable resource, and um, I think there's a lot of people out there um, in our department who benefit from it. Yeah, thanks for, thank you. Thanks for talking about it. Yeah, we can thank talk, you for talk about it all day. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, to our listeners, thank you for joining us on another episode, um, and see you out there wherever you may be, either the ORs or wherever you may be practicing anesthesia.